Blog Talk Radio. Oh. Hi, this is Russ Terry, founder and CEO of Life Coach Radio Network. Today's sponsor is Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free audiobook when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash Coach Radio. That's audibletrial.com slash Life Coach Radio. And now, here's today's show. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Revolutionary Sisters of the Diaspora, our um, monthly radio show where we discuss a variety of different issues related to women of the diaspora women of color of the diaspora, and um, who are dealing with social, political issues uh, that are happening in our world. Today's topic is in life and loss, loving your mother as there is no other. And we have a wonderful guest tonight, Liz Alexander, who Q will introduce shortly. But I just want to say why we we decided to do this particular topic, we are still in May and we celebrated Mother's Day last week and so we thought it was apropos to have a call where we would uh, talk about our mothers, um, talk about memories of our mothers, tell stories about our mothers and also invite uh, any callers who want to say something about their mothers to call in. So we are Revolutionary Sisters of the Diaspora. We are here every third Thursday of the month at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. And if you are listening online and you would like to ask a question, you can dial in at 347-857-2878. Again, 347-857-2878 and press 1, and we will recognize you as someone who wants to say something or give comment or just tell a quick story about your mother. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to Q, and she is going to introduce our special guest tonight. Welcome, everyone. This is Q, the lovable, helpable, angry black woman. The revolution may not be televised, but it will be live streamed. And I am so happy to introduce the woman that I consider one of my sisters from another mother. That is Liz Alexander, and she is a visionary, a militant, an activist, a defender of our girls in the juvenile justice system. She both went to Spelman, holla. I did it, but I honor her. I should have made that choice, but that's okay. She also has her master's in social work, and she also has a master's in religious leadership. She truly is one of the women who are fighting for our girls who believes in taking an intersectional approach to addressing issues of loss, pain, and trauma. And embedded in her life experience, which drives so much of her work, is recognizing and honoring and helping our sisters push through, push through the trauma of having lost our mothers early in life, later in life, expanding what the idea of motherhood is about how in so many ways, we had to develop a broader definition of motherhood, sisterhood, of connectiveness, because for so many centuries, the idea of family within the black and brown diaspora was stripped away from us. So with those happy notes, I'd like to say, Liz, tell us your story. Thank you so much, um, Q. Uh, so I'm just trying to... Um, uh, honestly, what comes up is where do I begin? Uh, so in terms of um, mother, uh, motherhood and mother loss in particular and why it is so um, dear to me, uh, just the whole topic uh, and experience uh, is because uh, when I was just about to turn 15, I experienced mother loss. And... Um, I uh so in the the way in which my mother uh transitioned it was completely unexpected 
Um, and it really happened over the course of a summer. So, um, you know, as one could imagine, you know, just being with your mother, she's uh, healthy as far as you can, you, you're concerned. Um, and then just one day she turns, uh, she becomes ill, and then it's uh, a steady decline until she, she dies. So that was like my experience. So it was completely abrupt um, and extremely traumatizing. And so um, at the time, uh, I was 14, about to turn 15, um, and I am the youngest of four and the only girl. And I would say just given our, you know, just family dynamic, uh, I was just naturally closer to my mother, being her only girl, and then, of course, being the youngest. And so um, so the whole experience was deeply um, earth-shattering, you know, and I didn't know at the time how much um, our mothers uh, shield us from a lot of stuff, you know, and it was it, I, one of the things that I thought was just really interesting um, or just mind-boggling is after she transitioned, I felt like I gained a new, um, like a new form of sight, literally, because I just started to notice things that I had never had to. Um, and, uh, you know, it just further, for me, reinforced just really the power of mothers. So so from that experience and in and, and, uh, and the way in which my mother uh, transitioned, and because it was ad- abrupt and um, unplanned and extremely traumatizing, uh, it, for me, it, it really gave me a, a serious sensitivity to um, what I call other, like women in particular, who are survivors of mother loss. Um, so, so yeah, I, I found that um, even today as a woman, uh, when I think about who I was uh, before my mother uh, transitioned, I don't even remember who that girl is. Um, so, mm-hmm. so, again, it does just really a lot to your identity, to your sense of self. Um, to your world world view, of course, um, to the way in which um, you move and operate in the world, and and for for black girls in particular, I think it it also has a um, a different meaning, right? Because who who is the one who guides us, right, through our our womanhood, through our black womanhood? Um, it's mama usually, right? Especially if it's a healthy if it's a healthy relationship with with mama, right? Um, and so to not have that, um, it's really um, What's the word? So to not have that, it's just really, um, I don't know, it's really debilitating in a way, right? Like it's earth shattering, like mm-hmm. I said. Um, I'm, some other additives will come along, but um, but yeah. And so usually um, someone, I can recall someone asking, so Liz, what is it like? Or, you know, or describe the pain of, of not having your mother. And um, I just really don't think you can even put that, for me, I could not put that kind of language, in, I mean, put that kind of pain into actual language. You know, um, just the deep, deep void that it leaves. Um, and I think that's so, okay. You shouldn't necessarily have to articulate your pain. That's okay. Yeah, no, you. Yeah, yeah. No, you're absolutely right. You know, um, and and thank you for saying that. Right. Um, I find found yeah. for me, I didn't get help right away. Over time, um, in my maybe mid twenty, early mid twenties, um, is when I really started to seek counseling and um. And, and really go through the grieving and bereavement and the, go through the grieving and bereavement process that I, mm-hmm. that I honestly um, up until this time have not even finished. I don't know if it, if it ever ends. When I talk to other nope. women who are survivors of mother loss in particular, yeah, exactly, right? They say it really never ends. It just changes. So today would have been my 15th uh, Mother's Day without my mother. You know, um, mm-hmm. and still at times, at times it still feels fresh. But like over time, um, you know, I've been, uh, and with the support of my therapist and, and other uh, mother figures and just community, I've been able to really develop some strategies and tools on how to navigate what it means to be a survivor of mother loss. Uh, and, and that experience so really much. prompted me to write that piece, um, Five Great. Steps to Why Get don't to Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Liz. Why don't you share a little bit about the five steps that you wrote in your piece for Harriet? I think it was really great, quite practical, um, and very honest. So if it's not too difficult for you to share, please share some of those steps for our listeners. Sure. Um, And I'll just say, uh, in writing the steps, I also find in terms of women who are, or just people in general who are survivors of mother loss, we are such, um, I think, an invisible uh, demographic. 
And mm-hmm. um, and many of us are, are suffering silently, but I know we're out there. I encounter them. I encounter us everywhere. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, so I wrote this. Um, yes, again, to just really publicize some of the tools that I was uh, able to find to get through, but also, you know, to, to offer tools to others who I know are out there um, and, and, um, and, and, you know, with similar pain. So, yeah, so the tools. So the, the first thing I talked about is really feeling it, right? Um, and I think that, that that's where a lot of the pain lies is really not recognizing or not even, you know, or uh, refusing, not refusing, but not really taking the space to acknowledge that, look, my mother is gone, right? Rightfully so, because it's absolutely painful, you know, for, for many of us. So I talked about uh, just one of my favorite poets, Naira Waid. One of her poems that I absolutely love is called Fall Apart. Um, I mean, well, it goes like fall apart, please just fall apart, open your mouth and hurt hurt the size that, uh, of everything it is. For me, I um, was in denial for several years. You know, it was a point where I couldn't even speak my mother's name. And so for me, feeling it was just really transformative. Uh, the second thing is uh, the second step is, is uh, really remembering her, right? So really sitting, uh, sitting in a space to really reflect. Um, on who your mother was, right? Um, so whether it's, you know, her voice, I talk about, you know, remembering her voice, her laughter, her smell, her touch, her kiss, um, uh, you know, her embrace. The the third thing I talk about is just really reconnecting with her. You know, I have been able to um, really sit and invoke her energy, right? Um, and, and the way in which I do that is, I'll, you know, take out some of her things that I have. So I have, like, a lot of my mother's jewelry. My mother was a writer, so I have many of her writings, um, her poems. So I'll do that. Um, so things that really make me think of her. Uh, the fourth thing I talked about is just really giving thanks for her life, right? And so I know I've met women uh, or girls or women um, who, and girls at the time, who have never even met their mother. Right, so in some ways, their mother mm. uh, may have died, uh, you know, when they were infants. Or many of the women, uh, their mothers left them. Like so, their mothers may be uh, present, like maybe alive, but have, have literally abandoned them. You know, which is another form of mother loss. Um, mm-hmm. So, 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 really, like giving thanks for us who had the opportunity and privilege to eat, to experience her. You know, so I talked about, you know, just really giving thanks for even knowing her. Um, and, and, and honoring and, and showing gratitude for the things that she was able to teach us during her time in our lives. The fifth thing I talked about is just really honoring um, our other mother figures. So mm-hmm. I, I found for me uh, in each season I'm in or at every season that I was ever in, there was a woman present for me um, who nurtured me, who supported me, um, who listened to me, you know, who gave me guidance and advice. And um, and sometimes it looked like mentorship. Sometimes it looked like a conversation, and then other times it just really looked like mothering, and it felt like mothering, you know. So even now, I say I have a village of mothers who call me daughter, right? And what a privilege! And so, in terms of the, the uh, depending on what season I'm, I'm in or was in, you know, uh, some of them were just there for the season, and then you know, I have long-term relationships with women who are who've been with me since my girlhood are still with me, guiding me. And then I find, um, you know, I meet new women, you know, again, depending on what, what space or what life season I'm in. And, and, it, uh, and so, so and just really honoring that, honoring their role, you know, in my life and, and, and giving thanks. So I just really talk about that. So, um, and, and for me, I say I'm convinced that, you know, um, my mother uh, sent these women to me, you know, um, to really guide, guide me and nurture me. Um, during, again, during a particular season, uh, uh, you know, to, 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 to support me in my womanhood. So those are the five steps. And, um, you know, and I just really emphasize, you know, uh, again, showing gratitude and, and, um, and honor, honor to this, to this process. So um, for me, writing this was extremely lethargic. Um, lethargic, I'm sorry, cathartic. Cathartic. Lord. Um, yeah, cathartic. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, uh, cathartic uh, for me. Um, and um, yeah, and I'm grateful. You know, and since writing, I received a lot of um, I received a lot of just feedback. You know about how you know the pieces has impacted uh, certain certain women and men too. 
and men too. And and though I wrote this specifically for black women, um, women of all ethnicities have, uh, you know, those who've read it, you know, would, would give positive feedback. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm just absolutely grateful. Liz, this is Ange, and I think that the the piece uh, is very powerful. Uh, I, I so appreciate the steps that you had. We're all going to uh, have an opportunity to tell stories about our our moms, whether they're here or not. You're actually we're in a room in studio where we have uh, four amazing women, and uh, three of us have lost our moms. So uh, the piece is very very powerful, and it resonates. I think for all of us in one way or the other, particularly the steps I think that you were able to encapsulate like what you're what what to do because you you don't know and it and depending as you say at what point you lose your mom, you're going through different a different stage of your life and you're trying to figure out, you know, what to do, how to how to get over it and, and the although as the years go by it gets a little easier, every mother's day it's it's still hard because if your mom is not here, you know, and everyone is buying balloons and flowers and cards and, you know, you, you're just like, okay, so I got to buy card for somebody. <laughs> Can't buy mm. for my mom. And it, it's like you go into the card store and, and you see the majority of the cards are mom, 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 mom. And you've got to dig deep to get to, you know, the, the women that you talk about honoring the other mama and mama's figures. So, I just want to say that I, I really appreciated the piece um, because having lost a mom at nine, it's really, mm. for me, very poignant to look at these steps and then actually go back and think about, okay, how did I deal with it at that point? Uh, so so I appreciate that. And I, I want to turn it over to any of our any of our my other co-hosts here if they want to tell a story about their moms. And then I'll come back because I might cry, so I'm, I'm going to step back and telling and telling mm-hmm. the story. Hey, Liz, um, this is Sabrina Wood, and I lost I my mother. I was I was married and had been married for a while, so my mother had a nice long life, but uh, so I didn't have that childhood trauma. But I am an only girl, and uh, you know I was mm-hmm. definitely her favorite, or so I thought. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm and I'm I'm just like her, which is why we, you know, so, but it heads a lot. But um, she she was someone that was really a force in my life. You know, was totally cool, was totally impressive, was just you know really adventurous. She was fun, but so she like your mom had a a, a physical decline that was really hard for me to to deal with because she had been such an athlete and such an active person and to watch her, you know, kind of become this old and dependent lady that was afraid of everything was really very, very distressing. But what I wanted to talk about was that, not not that part, I got a, another good story about her, but um, that filling the void because, you know, my mom passed and, and I was, you know, in my 50s, but, you know, I remember my mom had passed after my dad. So my dad had passed first and my mom died five years later. And the thought I had at 55 was, I'm an orphan. Mm. <laughs> and, you know, I was married and had, you know, everything else going on. But I That's felt, deep. you know, that I was now alone in the world and on my own, even though, you know, my mommy had just died. Um, but what I wanted to talk about was that I had an amazing person that came in and filled that void. And she had been my mother's friend. They had been in, you know, maternity ward together when she had her son and she had my older brother. And this is my aunt Abby, so you know that card. You're looking for that card, and I, she just really was like, well, you know, you're mine now, and just I have to send her the Mother's Day card. And let me tell you, when I've got a new boyfriend, they gotta run them by her. <laughs> I have to call if I show up in Boston. I miss, I have to drop by, and you know, when people are like, well, why do you have to go see this woman? I said, because is she your aunt? I go, no, she's not my aunt. She's not any relation to me, but she is now my mother. And I have to go there because she's expecting me. <laughs> so, you know, there's always, if you're lucky enough, someone that takes that fills in the void, even though you may not have gone through what appears to be childhood trauma. It's it's still traumatic, even when it happens and you expect it. You know, you know it's going to happen. It's still like your mommy's gone. Yeah. Yeah. So. So. Trina, do you need you need a mom? I got it. 
I got it. So, Liz, your um, story resonated so much with me because I also lost my mom when I was 14. Mm. And um, I have, you know, those of uh, those who know me, I'm a writer and a life coach. And so I, every birthday, every Mother's Day, I pause. Her picture is on my Facebook right now. And... Um, mm. It actually was, um, she actually, and, and this is something I just was able to start talking about because she was, she suffered from bipolar disorder hmm. and she ended up ending her life hmm. after multiple hmm. attempts. And she actually groomed me to take over because she told me about her illness when I was like 11. Um, and then we also lived with my grandmother who passed away. My mother died in January and my grandmother died in May. Um, So I have two younger sisters. I'm the oldest. And it changed our lives completely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, And so being the oldest and being literally, I, I write about it now, how I actually didn't realize she was passing the baton to me, but that's what she was doing. Mm-hmm. Like, you got to take care of your sisters. I have twin sisters who are seven years younger than me. And so the age difference, you know, I was mini mom. And then I took it on, like, almost too much. And I won't get into all that, um, but I will talk about how just over the years, so she was 35 when she passed. And I remember on my 35th birthday, mm-hmm. um, it's like I was freaking out leading up to it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, I have actually outlived my mother, Um, Mm. and then she she would be 72 today, Mm. and so the year that she would have turned 70, it was another marker for me because it became that she was gone longer than she was with us, Mm. Um, Mm. and so all of those things, and I did the exact same thing. Well, I have to say I'm I really, as I was going through the day of the day, I, was, I really wish, because my mother has two first cousins, same age, women, who took over for us. And um, she, um, my cousin Annette, who I actually ended up living with, and who really became my second mom, and my cousin Anita, and they still fill that, that gap. And they, like, whenever something is really going down, they're right there. Whenever there's something to celebrate, they are right there. Um, my life would be a lot different if if my extended family did not swoop in mm-hmm. and take care of mm-hmm. us. But you're right. You know, I'm the one that said when you said that you never stop feeling. You never stop feeling it. You never stop feeling it. Um, but mm-hmm. I am. So I have two children now, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. both of them. <laughs> you know, they're 25 and 20, <laughs> so two young adults, <laughs> and they both do this. Um, she, if you can picture somebody smiling in the corner, their mouth turns down. I actually physically can't do it myself, <laughs> but she used to do it, and they do it. Mm. And my daughter, the older she gets, um, she does it a lot in her conversation. And so I look at them, and I tell they both know. It's like, my mom used to do that. And so it's like her smiling at me, you know, that she's like, yeah, I'm still here. I'm still still with you. So um, I just wanted to, you know, connect with you and, and say that I, I know and I understand. And what you're doing in writing and holding that space is super important. So thank you. And needed. Very needed. Thank you. Thank you. You thank know, you. I, I think what you... Thank you, you my sister. Go ahead, Liz. Yeah, I was I was just going to say I think what you pointed out um, is so important um, and is not really talked about, but should be acknowledged in terms of well, well, uh, after you know, mom has has transitioned, then what, right? So even the the trauma of what may come as a result of her absence. So fortunately for you, your family stepped up, and uh, for me, um, I was actually raised by my siblings. So after my mother transitioned, mm-hmm. I just my my oldest brother at the time was, I believe he was 28, and then I had mm-hmm. a brother who was 21, and a brother who mm-hmm. was uh, 15, and I was 14, and all of us was turning one year older. So our mother died around our next birthday, 
and uh and and my oldest brother took over and and um wow. and my my mother has brothers and sisters, so I have a ton of aunts and uncles, but they didn't step up um to care for us, so even that right like mm-hmm. so um the compounded wow. trauma as a result of you know the mother loss and then then what happens to the children you know, so I just right. wanted to name that um. And and so you were one of the fortunate ones whose family did step up to um Very to usher fortunate. you into adulthood. Yeah, right, and then to continue to support you. But but yes, I wanted to name that other crucial piece. Yeah. Because not all of us I mean and you know, thank God your brothers were old enough to do that, right? Mm-hmm. Because in that same situation, if all of you were younger, then what really then what? Exactly. Right? So exactly. So Liz, I have a Liz, this is Ange. I have a question for you, and I'm, I know Q wants to, to tell a story uh, because we all live vicariously through her because she still has her mom, and her mom is cooking food and sending it to her. <laughs> I'm, I'm my mother on steroids. You know, it, it's just like, okay, whatever, Q. You got a mom who cooks food for you. We'll come over and eat it. But um, I, I'm just curious because, you you know, you said your, your brother stepped in and, and raised you, and that's what I had. I had my sister's. Uh, stepped in and, and raised me. I lived with each one of my, I had three sisters by my mom, and I lived with each one of them at, at different intervals of time. Um, although I did have a dad, um, they were just like, no, we're raising her. So <laughs> um, uh, I'm curious because my sisters, because they had my mom for a longer period of time than I did, my sisters, my eldest sister was 20 years older than me, and then it was 17 years, and then 14 years, so um, all of my sisters were older, but they, they all were just very close to my mom and just really took it really hard. And none of us, I mean, this happened in 1975. Who knew anything about trauma and, you know, having, going through therapy or anything like that? And I really think we probably could have benefited from it. I know that I could have benefited from them from it, and I know my sisters could have. I'm just curious because you talked about therapy. To what degree... Um, do you think your brothers have gone through therapy, or how did they cope as young boys losing losing their mom? I mean, it's it's hard enough for young girls, um, but your youngest your youngest brother being fourteen, like, did they go through any period of trying to deal and cope with, you know, with losing their mom? Got it. So I I would say my two older brothers. Um, of course, I think we all had our own different coping styles, but of my siblings, I am the only one that has sought professional counseling. And and I have because through an intervention of a professor when I was in college, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, that's how I ended up in therapy, through her kindness and generosity. So, again, another woman who saw me, right, and invested in me. Um, but in terms of my brothers, um, I, I think that um, – that they still struggle with it, rightfully so. I don't think that they've ever gotten a, a, the um, appropriate support. I think one of the things that uh, really went wrong uh, for us is after our mother's transition, we just kept going. You know, we we yeah. never, um, and we just automatically, you know, went into survival mode, you know. And so much of our pain and, and grief and anguish was suppressed. And because of that, uh, you know, it translated into a lot of unhealthy um, behaviors and, and ways of being that, in some ways, my brothers still uh, live right and and um, live in, and um, and some of the behaviors that they still engage in, you know. Um, so so yeah, I think for them it's an ongoing uh, process, but but I definitely see for them uh, what's consistent is the anger and rage that they have not found a place for. So I, I still mm. see them as um, as hurt boys uh, living as men. Mm. So, um, and, and my youngest brother, he's actually incarcerated right now, um, mm-hmm. and he's uh, nearing, or maybe towards the middle, towards the middle of uh, completing a, a, a 18 year sentence for manslaughter. So, uh, which, mm-hmm. which I think is a direct result of, of childhood trauma. One of the traumas being our, you know, the subsequent uh, death of our untimely death of our mother. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's pretty that's pretty serious. Um and and childhood trauma leads to so many different things as we know. 
Um, We definitely know that, and and trauma is in our communities, unfortunately, more so than than in some other communities, without the the coping mechanisms and resources available to to deal and cope. So with that, I want to turn it over to to Q, because I know she wants to tell a story, chomping at the bit to say. Absolutely. So a couple of things. First, I want to invite you all, listeners, to call in. Our number is 347-857-2878. So please feel free to call in and share stories of your mother. Um, We would be happy to share, and we look forward to hearing from you. And they don't have to be sad stories. No, I'm actually going to tell a multi-layered story. So my mother is fly. She is still here. She gives me <laughs> life, and I talk to her every day. Um, and when I say I'm my mother on steroids, she told me this morning that she is cooking dinner for mentally and developmentally disabled people that she used to work with uh, Memorial Day weekend. So, of course. <laughs> I mean, so when people ask about where do I get it from, um, I get it from her. But I actually want to talk about the mother of all mothers, which would be my grandmother, um, in the sense that people often say I look like my mother, but it's not her I look like. It's the resurgence of Veronica. That's who I look like. And when we talk about the complexities within our community, I want to share her story. Because when my grandmother was 17 years old, she fell out of a tree. Uh This is in Grenada, and she fell out of a tree when she was going to pick a coconut, and she broke her leg. And so when they took her to the hospital, they did not reset her broken leg. They cut it off. So at the age of 17 years old, she only had one leg. This woman, the oldest of roughly 16 or 17 kids, took care of them all. Because her mother, my great-grandmother, passed away not too long afterwards. So she had one child, and that child was my mother. She had one child. And this woman, which is why I like to say I come from a legacy of strength that I cannot fully comprehend, This woman with one leg sent my mother to college. My mother was one of the first people in our family in Grenada to graduate college, and my mother graduated college at the age of 18. This woman made, she did laundry, she ironed, she made candies, or as we would say, she made sweeties. And she sold, she had my mother sell the sweetie to help pay for her to go to school. That's how my mother went to school, because school was not free in Grenada back then. Um, and so she read. And as this morning, I asked my mother, why am I surrounded by books? She said, your grandmother made sure that whenever anyone went into town, they came back with a newspaper. Mm. She got the circular from the church every week because she had to know what was going on, which led my mother to getting newspapers delivered to her from throughout the Caribbean, which led to my being surrounded by books and newspapers and being made a latchkey kid who went to the library after school while she worked, which is part of the reason why I am surrounded by books and knowledge now. So even when you deal with the loss of motherhood, um, or as I like to say, the mother of all mothers, their impact often stretches generations. Our Native American brothers and sisters say it takes seven generations to heal one act of harm. But we can flip it around and say seven generations of strength and resilience will always be passed down. Hmm. I like that. Right? So for me, in terms of sharing about motherhood, I can't even begin to think about how I'm going to cope when that time comes with my mother. I just, I'm not prepared to wrestle with that right now. But what I can say is that I come from a legacy of strength, a legacy of resilience, a legacy of physically disabled women saying that, you know what, that's okay. I am still going to plant my seeds and grow. So that's what I want to share about motherhood. That's awesome. That is, that's beautiful. That's awesome. 
Absolutely. I should have had can I, can, I, can I ask us to transition? <laughs> Absolutely. And um, share something funny or <laughs> I got what's in um, <laughs> unique or something that you took on that your mom passed on to you. Oh, hi. This is Sabrina again, and I have a funny story that I didn't hear about until we were moving my parents out. Well, actually, just my mom. And as I said, my dad had already passed away. And we were moving my mom out of the apartment, and she was going to move in with my brother. And she told us a story about when she first came to this country, she immigrated here from another country, and my father had sent her passage so that she could come over. And when she got here, she married him. But when she married him, because she had met him in the war and didn't come over for four years after, so they were doing some very heavy, you know, pen pal, and that must have been so <laughs> <laughs> she got on the ship and came here to marry my dad, and my dad gave her enough money to go back if she didn't like being here and didn't want to be married to him. So he gave her enough money to go home. And so he, she had a bank book with enough money in it to get out of Dodge. Mm. And so every time they had some kind of a fight, he would run and go look and see if she took the bank book with <laughs> You know, that he was just like, oh, my God, is the bank book still there? She's still there. So this one day, they were having a fight, and my father ran to go see. He, she wanted to redo the house, and she wanted to redo something. <laughs> my father just like any, any broken down thing that was happening. Mm-hmm. was fine with it, but she wanted to redo it, and that's definitely what I got from her. But, um, <laughs> so she wanted to redo the house, and he, he said no, blah, 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 blah. She got mad. She left the house. He ran into the bedroom. He went to look for the bank book, and the bank book was Oh, he was having a heart attack about this. He's like, oh, my God, she's left me. She's going home. Come to find out that what she did do was take the bank book, take the money out of the bank, go to the store, get the got dog furniture she wanted to get, and brought it back home. So when we were moving her out of the apartment and I said, Mom, why do you want this broken down bedroom furniture? She had a freaking nutty. <laughs> this was the bedroom furniture that she knew she earned was it. going to stay and that I would later be born. Yeah. <laughs> so oh. the bedroom furniture and the bank book, we heard this story numerous times about how my father knew my mother was going to stay <laughs> because she brought she bought the bedroom furniture with her passage money to go home. That is very that is cool. <laughs> that is really, really cool. <laughs> I still, we still have pieces of the bedroom <laughs> Really? Really? Lloyd has some pieces. Oh, that's there. nice. That's give, great. got to keep something. We could not give it all away. Uh, all uh, away. Pass it on. He has the chair <laughs> to the little <laughs> Oh, that's that's cute. Well, I have a, uh, a I guess when you you said, Trina, in terms of um, something that you took from your mom in terms of passing on it, and I didn't probably realize this until – after I went to fashion school and worked in retail for a little while and realized I hated it. Um, <laughs> I, my, my mom was um, an immigrant, came from Honduras, Central America, and she actually was blind. She, did, she wasn't born blind, but she became blind over time. The doctor told her, you keep having kids, you're putting strain on yourself, you're putting strain on your eyes. You'll be blind. So by the time she had me, she was blind. But my mom, um, the year before she died, there was a hurricane in Honduras called Fifi, and our house became Honduras Central, and we collected all of these surplus. We had surplus government stuff. I'm like, why is the government sending? <laughs> as I think about it now, why was the government sending us wool blankets and aspirin and, and stuff? It's like because it was old. It was like almost expired stuff. But they sent all this stuff, and people were donating and donating money, donating clothes and food, and our basement became Honduras Central. And I think about all that she did being blind, doing that, and getting the goods sent to Honduras. And my cousins tell me that somehow she had spoken to a congressperson. They got uh, barrels and a ship, and it went to Honduras. How she did that, I don't know since we couldn't get water to people in the dome during um, Hurricane (laughs) Katrina, (laughs) but my mom did that. And I think from that experience, just remembering it, because it's so clear and visible, and I was eight 
I think. Uh, it's so clear and vivid to me that my willingness and, I guess, need to do service, to work in um, industry that service, that's why I was working at Macy's and working at The Gap, and it was just so, you know, like fluff fluff yeah, to me. Like, who like who, It's just clothes. It's just fashion. I mean, I'm, I'm still heavy into clothes, but... Um, I'm definitely more centered around helping people and getting people, you know, connected and the things that they that they need and they desire and 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 caring about people, you know, and, and what they're going through and having that I think kind of international peace, really understanding that it's more than just us here in these states. It's it's larger, larger than that. And so that's what I think I I take from my mom. Um, because she she wasn't an incredible woman, and I, I see people now that they see me and they say, "You are Sally's daughter." People who you know, I went to a, <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, and I'm like, "Yeah, I'm a hummer daughter." Oh, Sally, I stayed in that house when I came because we had a house, and people would come from Honduras and they would come. That's where they would stay and get themselves grounded and figure out, you know, this is Brooklyn, New York, figuring out where they were gonna go after they left this house. And and everyone said, "You go to this house first. And being um, black from um, Honduras, that was even more necessary because you couldn't be black speaking Spanish and then you're trying to come to New York in the 70s, 1670s. Mm-hmm. So I, I got the service piece and wanting to help and, and be community-oriented from my mom. So thank you, Mommy. Mm-hmm. Liz, do I you like want to share a story? Uh, you know what I'm thinking, um, I, but one of the things that that uh, that I remember fondly about my mother is she always referred to me as uh, Liz girl. Like so, if if whatever whatever she had to say to me, it would always begin with Liz girl. You know, um, not G I R L, but G U R L. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, like I, I appreciated that. Um, I. Let me think what particular story I have of my mother. Um, now, so for me, uh, one of the, the, the things that I that takes a little more effort now since it's been 15 years is remembering, you know. So, mm-hmm. um, so, so yeah, I put a lot of effort in trying to remember her. But what stands out for me, though, is, um, um, you know, how they say that, uh, you know, when some folk are about to transition or something they know, so mm-hmm. just um, in hindsight, you know, after my mother transitioned, one of the things that became mine were her journals. And mm-hmm. so, um, oh, wow. how lucky for you! Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that yeah. Is and so, a gift. In, it is a gift. It is a gift. And and it, what it did was taught me, um, you know, of course, life insurance, all that stuff is important. But um, for me, I found of. of in her things with the most valuable to be, it was not money that she left behind, but her words. And so now as a woman, I get to go back into her journals and read her experience and read about her experiences. And I really gain a lot of wisdom and lessons, you know, um, that can be applied to my womanhood now. But, um, but I found in her journals, um, thank you. And I I just found in her journals that uh, she uh, actually wrote notes to my siblings and me. So I, I found a note that she wrote to me um, that uh, that I think I actually, you know, if I were to be 100% honest, probably influenced one of the reasons that influenced my decision to go to seminary. For me, her note to me was, you know, Liz, girl, stay in the church as your guidance in life. You know, love mom. Mm-hmm. You know, so, um, wow. and of course, my siblings each got their own individual notes. So it just made me think about, um, you know, how forward-thinking she was, um, how intuitive she was, even when she was uh, living, um, how much wisdom she had. Um, in comparison with, uh, to my friends, I had an, oh, my mother was older, you know, and at one point growing up, I, I used to have a lot of shame around that, you know, because at the time, many of my friends, their parents were in their 20s, seriously, mm-hmm. you know, maybe maybe 30s. At the time growing up, my mother was in her 40s, you know, but in hindsight, now I get to appreciate having a mother uh, who was full of wisdom, and um, and I get to you know re-experience that wisdom when I go through her journals. But but yeah, so those are so that that's what came up to me as uh, came up for me as I was hearing you all share stories. Is just um, hear, hearing her her voice and uh, remembering her mannerisms 
and um and and how she endearingly referred to me as you know Liz girl. Um, Liz so, girl. So yeah, that's a that's a nice saying for a t-shirt. This girl, <laughs> my mom used to call me my girl all the time. My girl. Uh, oh my god! Says, uh, I can see it. My girl. <laughs> I can see the T-shirt. Liz girl. Liz girl. Liz girl. Black woman with an afro smiling on the back. It says hashtag Black Girl Magic. Girl. Oh my god. Sally girl. Yeah, my Sally mom's girl. name was Liz Celestine, girl. so she's Sally. Sally. Yeah. I was damn it, you child, come here, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that, Carrie. Oh, my God. And I can appreciate you saying your mom being older. I mean, my mom was um, blind, and she passed away when she was 49. Um, she had me when she mm. was 40. So, mm. yeah. Um, and and mm. that that idea of the going through the, the the demarcations of life when, you know, you realize you've outlived your mom. I was walking down the aisle at 49, the same year, you know, my mom was 49 when she passed away, and that's when I got married. Then you do the wedding yeah. right around her birthday. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, just, uh, right. I, my wedding was the day before her birthday. Yeah. Was then, so, um, yeah. I got one more yeah. story about my mom, and it was um, just about how selfless they are. And like I said, I, I, I lost my mom. I was, I was married for years, and you know, but one of the things we always did was we used to watch the Miss America contest together. We didn't care. We just wanted to count how many black women were in the thing. If there was any black woman in the Miss America contest, we were just all up in it. And so we were watching this, and she had had a heart attack. This was like the second heart attack she'd had. She had the angioplast, mm. and, uh, you know, it, it, it wasn't looking good, but she was going to come home. So I was I was there well, that evening, and it was a Sunday evening, and I'm watching the Miss America contest with her, you know, and, and she knew I had to get up and go to work. And so I was going to go home. Now, that day, everybody came to see my mom. I mean, everybody from the apartment, everybody was there because she'd gone into the hospital again. And people were like, oh, my God, your mom's in the hospital. And people had been in and out of her hotel, uh, the hotel, that's what it seemed like. They were in and out of her hospital room all day long. And I had been there all day with her. And I said to her, what do you want me to bring to you tomorrow? What do you want to go home in? Because, you know, my girl always had to have the outfit. So I had to, you know, coordinate the outfit and bring that right outfit so she could go home. And so my house was just a few minutes from the hospital. I left her. I said, I'll see you in the morning. I said goodbye to the nurse. I went up the street, got to my house, and the hospital called me and said, get back to the hospital right away. It's your mother. And, I mean, I had just come in the door. So I was like 15 minutes. I just saw her. She told me what to bring for the next day. And by the time I got back, she would passed. Wow. And I was Mm. so upset because I said, I can't believe I left. Because I had to go to work the next day, and she she was telling me you got to go to work the next day, go go home. Aww. And then I was I was really upset. And it wasn't until a number of years later when I met another woman who had been a good friend of mine in high school, and she was telling I was telling her this story. You know, we were we were at a reunion, and we were crying about our moms being. And she said her mother had told her about her father, same kind of thing. She I said your mother sent you a while. Mm-hmm. She didn't want you to she suffer through that. She, she knew she was going to die, and she didn't want you there. And mm-hmm. she sent you home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. How do you mm. feel about that? Still sad because I didn't want her to go through that by herself. But you know, I get it. I, I didn't get it for a long time. I was just so guilty that I that had you left her. Yeah. And she died by herself. But she, she didn't yeah. want it. She didn't want it. She was like, we had the whole story. Mm-hmm. We talked about the Miss America. We were talking about what she was going to wear. Mm-hmm. Everything was good. I was happy. I'll see you later, mom. And so she was like, I'll see you later, my girl. Mm-hmm. And that was the way she wanted you she to be. She must have died like 15, 20 minutes after. Yeah. 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 Yep. yep. She didn't want you to be. She didn't want you to be. She didn't want it was like my struggling or die. Or she didn't know. Yeah. You don't know how you're going right. to die. You know, you don't know what you're going to yeah. do. You yeah, know, so she yeah, must have yeah. been like, I don't want to. Because she was very like, I don't want to have anybody be embarrassed. I'm not going to be embarrassed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think with my mom, it's the same thing. She wanted, she knew she was going to pass, and she wanted to be where her mother was buried in Honduras. Uh-huh. And so we were on vacation, and she passed. So I, it's like you, yes. when you get to that point, you just you know. You know. You know? I mean, some things are sudden, you don't. But I think yeah. some some people they just set intuition. They just they, they just, just know. know, and they're going to save you even right. at that right. point. Just thinking about those girls. They're still being a mom. Girl, yep. they're still being yep. a mom. I'm going to get yep. my girl out of here. Yeah. You better go home now, girl. Go yeah. home. So so Q and 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 Trina, do you guys have another story to share before we close this out? Yeah, I have I have a couple things. Like I've, this like this little reel has been going through my head as we've been talking. So my mother, she had nicknames for all of us. Mm-hmm. I was Sunshine. Oh. Are we surprised? Mm-hmm. Nope. Yeah, I'm not sunshine. <laughs> 
And uh, my sister Annie was dimples. Oh. <laughs> and Dina is interesting. She was pumpkin face. So when she was little, she had like this little round, little cute little round face, right? I know she's so, not one so Exactly. Sorry, Dina, because I know you, if you're not listening now, you'll be listening later. <laughs> Sorry. I put you out there like that. Um, but the other thing, there were, there were two things. So I'm a nerdy girl, and I got it from my mom. She was, she was very smart, and even when, um, you know, I, I grew up in a small town in, in Pennsylvania, and so it's a very tight-knit community. So when people see me as an adult and I have friends who – I have a friend who lives here and her family's like a clan. So her aunts and uncles all grew up with my mother and we'll do like game nights and stuff like that. And I'm like so competitive. She used to have – we played Monopoly. We played Triominoes. Does anybody know Triominoes? No. no. And I'm kind of scared to find out what it is. Yeah, because it's like a lot of math and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> Table, but yeah, no, this is like you're adding up the numbers and oh, stuff no. like that. Adding numbers? Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and we'll leave that with you, Sabrina. Cribbage. Cribbage. Oh, yeah, yeah, that one I know. Yeah, yeah but so that. she loved like games and puzzles. So, and then I'm a, I'm a Sudoku nut. Mm. And I know that, you know, and I got the, do you do the Friday one, the samurai oh, with God, the five? Yeah, 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 and yeah, yeah, that's the only one I do. Because, oh, you know, the other one's for wimps. So, and I do it in pen. So, yeah. yeah. What you do with the New York Times puzzle on a Sunday? (laughs) But it's just, you know, those little things and just really random stuff that she used to cook. And she used to sing when she cooked. Mm -hmm. And so she would, like, sing. And when my kids were younger, I would make up little songs. That was, like, a thing that I, you know, I was like, ah, Mommy used to do that, you know. Mm -hmm. My sisters, because they were so young, Liz, you were saying you have a hard time. You know, you have a hard time remembering after a while. They don't have the benefit of some of the stories that I have, so I share them with her, with them because they don't. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So I have two stories about my mom. One is her, and they both explain me. So my mom was. I'm, I'll be fast. My mom was the oldest child of the oldest child. Okay. So she has aunts and uncles who are younger than her. Mm-hmm. And so one of my aunts who I called my adopted grandmother also, my mom wanted to go to school when everyone else was going to school. But at three years old, there wasn't time for She was too young to go to school. So when my Auntie Donna was going to school, Auntie Donna told me this story many times. She said that my mom stretched her arms and she started to bawl, and she had a tantrum. And my grandmother said, just just take the child with it. So they said, go and get ready. <laughs> Mommy already had her clothes laid out on the bed. So she was she knew she was going up. to school. Right. So she actually started school at three years old. She behaved, and they let her go through the entire school year. Really? So she started school at three. Wow. That's why she was at 18. Well, no, she, she passed the test because it was different then. So the woman's just really smart. So that's one. So the other is I, I did not. So my mom ran the first women's desk in Grenada dedicated to women's rights. Right? So maybe that's part of the reason why I always talk about the patriarchy. Um, But I didn't realize how my activism played out until I was talking to a friend of mine. And I was like, yeah, she's like, Carrie, you had us protesting, talking about no bus passes, no peace. And I remember your mom saying, go out there and fight for your rights. And that what I didn't realize when I was talking to her 20 years later, she's like, you know your mom was always threatening to bring nine on your side to the school if you didn't get the, if she didn't get the classes that you wanted. And I remember that. I'm like, really? So she would always threaten people and threaten to bring the media down and to create some kind of campaign in order to make sure I got classes, and you remember that, and I don't? And she's I like, love it. yes. And so... Her best friend also, her daughter also went to the same school as I did, and she said, yeah, no, my mom said, no, you weren't going to protest. But I do remember your mom saying, go out there and fight for your rights. Protest Giuliani. I'll bring nine on your side down there. And, yes, I got into the classes she wanted me to get into. So I bet you did. 
So I will just say, yes, no, she really, when I first started high school, she really went up to the school, demanded to see the guidance counselor because she didn't understand why I did not have chemistry since I already passed bio in middle school. And the next day I had all of these people that I didn't realize coming up to me and saying, you're Teresa Nash's daughter. I just wanted to see how you were doing in school today. And I was like, well, yes, Mr. Vice Principal, you know, this is only the second week of school. I don't know your name, but thank you for checking up on me. So I share this to say that, you know, when I say I am my mother on steroids, I am not shirking her in any capacity whatsoever. And, um, and we see that. Yeah. Definitely. Absolutely. And we, we understand you more every time you are a family. <laughs> So we, we appreciate it. You DNA. are. It's in the DNA. Oh, yeah, so, patriarchy. So, Liz, I want to give you an opportunity to give us any last comments. Um, before you do that, though, I want to um, just bring folks' attention to the article that you wrote for Harriet um, called Black Women and Mother Loss, Five Steps for Getting Through Mother's Day. And it has been tweeted quite a bit. I think you've, you've got 150. 15,000 shares. Wow. So this this is a wow. this is definitely a uh article that resonated obviously with with many people. Um and I just really want to thank you and appreciate you for writing this and for sharing your wisdom and uh just like allowing us to to get in your brain and delve deeper into into this issue. So I will allow you to make any last minute comments that you would like to. Yeah, thank you. You know, I just want to say I, I wrote the article in 2015, um, and so I find every year around Mother's Day, I, I of course reshare it, but I find you know a lot of folk um, also reshare it. Um, so I'm grateful. Um, I know again for me it was very uh, liberating um, and healing too, and so um, I'm glad that other people can also find it um, to be to be healing uh, as well in some capacity. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just, the, the final words are, you know, I'm just in a, a deep space of gratitude, you know, and though my mother is not physically present, I have learned through my own work, um, through my own healing and wholeness work, um, that she's still always with me, you know, um, and, and I get to experience her, um, I get to still experience her. And then what a gift, right, that because she's not here physically, um, she gets to transcend this physical space and guide me. Um, from the spirit realm, that's what I think, you know, and believe. And so, um, so I'm I'm grateful, you know, to um, not only have had experience my mother physically, but also now, you know, as a spirit guide. Um, and so, you know, I just want to say for women who uh, are survivors, um, women and men, you know, of all ethnicities who are survivors of mother loss, I just urge you to to um, to uh, just never stop healing, not never stop doing mm-hmm. the work to heal. Um, so that that's yeah. all I, I want to end with that. Never stop doing the work to heal. That is yep. very, you. very apropos. Thank you so much. And Alyssa's book is forthcoming. We're going to deal with that later, but she has a book that's forthcoming. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> I got you. What's the book Q. about, Liz? I love you, Q. <laughs> you know, Q is hilarious. But, no, really, of course, you know, given the, the journey, I, I definitely have a memoir forthcoming. Um and and I've just been really thinking about what it's going to be and what uh, feels really right for me is uh, I really want to put myself in conversation with my mother's journal. And so, um, mm. uh, yeah, so I think I, I want that to, to be my, my memoir, just really juxtapose our experience. That's going to be incredible. Oh, my God, I'm about to lose it. I think you just got four. <laughs> you got four. Please, <laughs> We've got four sales before right right now. Well, thank you, and we definitely look forward thank to you. that. That yes. is going to be wow. as I said before. That is a blessing to have the writing. Such a blessing. Uh, so, with that, I want to close us out tonight and thank all of my co-hosts here tonight. Miss Sabrina, Miss Q, Miss Trina, always here. Just. Hanging, Revolutionary Sisters of the Diaspora. We are the producers of the show, the co-hosts of the show. <laughs> and so we writers. thank you all, the writers, <laughs> yeah. and the directors, 
So we thank um, those of you who are online listening in and those of you who call in. Uh, we appreciate you. And we want to let you know that our next show is Thursday, January 21st at 7 p.m. Again, I'm sorry, Thursday, June 21st at 7 p.m. I wrote January. Why did I write January? Thursday, June 21st at 7 p.m. And uh, it's it's Father's Day month. So we are going to uh, talk about fathers, and the title of our show is More Than Just DNA, Daddy's Girls Celebrating Black and Brown Fathers. So again, we wow. will talk to you on Thursday, June 21st, 7 p.m., and we look forward to seeing you, hearing from you then. Thank you, and have a wonderful evening. Night. Good night. night. Thank Thanks, you. Liz. Thank you so much, ladies. Thank you. Bye. Oh, no, thank you. Thank you, Liz. You're everything.